You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. This is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Alabama Athletics Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, your trusty, trusty if not talented host of the program. The show as always brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Never too early. In fact, you need to go ahead and do it. If you're planning that big Thanksgiving spread, you know, maybe you're not going to have the typical number of folks over or in town this this year, but you can still make it a very special event, even more special than it already is with Peter Brook Chocolatier. Give him a call at 205-752-0211. You can also email the store, Indian Hills at Peter Brook, that's Peter Brook with an E, dot com, and they'll take great, great care of you. Joined on the program by executive producer emeritus, Mr. Joe Gaither, who together once again, we combine to form the 60 bit of boo of sports talk radio. Now, I'm glad to have Joe back. I'm not glad that Jacob Harrison is under the weather a little bit this morning, and I'm worried about the juice. Will Joe have juice after that performance by his Chicago Bears up in the Music City yesterday. How about it, Joe? You got some juice for us? Well, I'm always excited to be here and to be a part of Southern Fried Sports, but you're right. My, the wind has been out of my sails for the last <laughs> few weeks now. The offense has just uh, looked inept, so my energy level has been a little bit lower. Yeah, you're getting Matt Nagy a little bit. You're getting – we talked about this a little bit before we went on the air – you're sort of living through that 2003-2006 corridor of Alabama football is what you're kind of living through right now, right? Like a couple of years ago, oh, even not too long ago, you got a little taste of it, got to the postseason, had the double-doink field goal, you know, that kind of broke your heart. That was kind of, Joe, that was kind of your 2005 Alabama team. That Alabama team in 2005 with a really good defense, eh, so-so on offense, had a lot of injuries in 2005, to be fair, to Mike Shula and that staff. Still won 10 games, won the Cotton Bowl, you know, so you're thinking maybe, maybe going to make a little bit of a run. And then 2006, things go backwards. And uh, But like we said before the show, hey, if it gets you to the other side like it did for Alabama, you'll take that, right? I mean, it's a little bit of pain for now. Um, paying for a lot of pleasure, so I'll be. I'm definitely down for that. <laughs> We're trying to keep the old mug half full of Joe on this Monday morning. Hey, we're wide open throughout the program. If you want to jump on board at two zero five three four two nine nine zero four, you are welcome to do so. It is a winners and losers Monday. Boy, do we have plenty of them from the football weekend. We'll get to those. As we move throughout the program as well, and it is it is the start of a week that brings with it a tradition unlike any other. Oh, you thought I was talking about the Masters this week? No, I was talking about Alabama winning in Baton Rouge. That's the tradition unlike any other. We'll see if Alabama can do it again coming up on Saturday at Tiger Stadium. We do have the Masters, Bama, LSU, one-two punch on Saturday. We have Masters third-round coverage on CBS. 
that, of course, is going to take us into Alabama LSU 5 Central kickoff. The boys over in Augusta going to have to wrap that thing up by 5 o'clock. All right? Going to have to get that third round done. I guess with the daylight savings time going away, they're going to they're gonna pretty much have to because that's 6 Eastern. It's going to be dark over there by 6 o'clock. And uh, also with the Masters, you're talking about a smaller field in general. This isn't a U.S. Open where you got 3,000 players, okay, on Thursday and Friday, and then you cut it in half or you cut it down to top 70 in ties, something like that. You're going to go from roughly 95 and cut it down. So by Saturday and Sunday, you're going to have a pretty condensed field anyway. So shouldn't be a problem. No reason to wring hands to pine over the start of that game on Saturday in Baton Rouge. Alabama opened as a 22-point favorite. Rusty woke me up when he saw this line, or he sensed this line. I think he's got this sixth sense, and he can, yeah. Like, I was asleep, and this line comes out of Alabama minus 22, and then Rusty starts losing his mind. All those points for that home dog. Home cats. In the LSU Tigers. And then the line just goes up a point and a half. It wasn't enough. People come in and bet it up. 23 and a half. So uh, we'll get you going for LSU and Alabama, obviously. Big one in Baton Rouge. Alabama, once again, hasn't lost down there since 2010. And has won, what is it, five of the last six? Eight, one and eight, one and 12, 14, 16, 18. Yeah. And by my math, I don't think LSU has scored on Alabama in Baton Rouge since 2014. Am I correct on that? Hasn't it been back-to-back shutouts for Alabama? 2016 with Jalen, that was a kind of ugly game, wasn't it? That was a 2011-style type game here in Tuscaloosa, 10-0, I believe. And then go down there in 2018 and get another shutout. So the Tigers looking to get off the... Shut out Snide at home against the Alabama Crimson Tide. 205-342-9904. It was a bye weekend for the Alabama Crimson Tide. What did we talk about on the show Friday? That in a year like this, even in a bye week, there's consternation. There's concern. Primarily because of the infiltration of the COVID-19 virus into our daily lives here in the United States of America and certainly how that can impact uh, college football teams. And we saw it even with the Masters, talking about the Masters, Sergio Garcia, uh, former champ there at the Masters a couple of years ago. Sergio test positive, we learned today. So he's out at the Masters. Um, You saw it with, you probably didn't see it because it was Mississippi State and Vanderbilt. I don't know if anybody saw that game. Uh, But Mississippi State and Vanderbilt Saturday and Starkville, both those teams were under 60 available players for the game. And the SEC protocol is you got to have 53. So they were cutting it tight, were the Bulldogs and Vanderbilt. And if you're Alabama, you're thinking, okay, if Mississippi State had some guys out due to COVID, we just played these guys. You know, how does that potentially impact Alabama? It's just you can really lose your mind trying to contact trace being an amateur contact tracer can really be a stressful gig so i i I urge you to kind of steer clear of that designation but it's kind of the things you have to consider and then friday after the show what do we learn we learned that redshirt freshman running back trace anders uh injured in a car accident down in florida and first and foremost You see the details, you read the details, you see that he's airlifted to a local hospital. So you know this isn't just some fender bender, right? And so first and foremost, you're glad when you learn from Nick Saban via statement that these are non-life-threatening injuries that we're talking about for Trey Sanders. But, you know, bigger picture-wise, you're still concerned about quality of life coming out of a situation like this. Secondarily, very much secondarily, you start to consider the ramifications from a football perspective with this kind of injury. You feel for Trey Sanders from that perspective because he's already dealt with a significant injury a year ago as a true freshman when he had the the broken foot, the broken ankle there that cost him all of the 2019 season. So your emotions, your thoughts, first and foremost, are with this poor young person. Uh, that has dealt with so much already. And so you start to consider for the immediate uh, time frame and the upcoming time frame, 
the running back situation at Alabama. And again, you feel for Trey Sanders because you could see it with this guy with almost every touch he was accumulating, especially against Mississippi State last time out. This was a guy that was just starting to not only physically show you the entire skill set, but in terms of his psyche and his confidence level, he was starting to do some things that if you don't feel really good about your ankle, your foot, and what you're coming off of, you don't make a jump cut, make a linebacker miss, and then beat everybody to the corner and pick up 21, 24, 25 yards like he did on back-to-back runs against Mississippi State. So you're just starting to see this from Trey Sanders. And now you have this situation, and you are seeing reports. I know Matt Zenitz of AL.com this morning has reported via sources that the expectation is that Trey Sanders now out for the season. So you look at the running back situation, and, you know, in terms of the top two guys, you know Najee Harris is the top guy. There's no question about that. Brian Robinson nicked up a little bit, um, dealing with some health issues of his own, apparently. Uh, Didn't play as much against Mississippi State. That provided... um, Trey Sanders with the opportunity in that game. But in terms of the here and now, in terms of what we know today, anyway, about the running back position at Alabama, is that you're okay. You're going to be okay for this week going to LSU because, you know, whereas you like to see Trey Sanders big picture-wise show what he's shown and perhaps even over the backstretch of this season start to take on more of a role, kind of like Najee did. In 2017, you remember by that national championship game against Georgia, Najee in the second half was in there with Tua a lot, was in there with Henry Ruggs III a lot, was in there with Jerry Judy a lot in that national championship game. So there was the potential for Trey Sanders to take on more. Uh, But in terms of how this offense is built right now, Najee is last four games, and this can kind of be viewed from a couple different perspectives because it speaks to the undeniable truth that Najee is the man I mean we all know that but with Najee Harris you know you're talking about a guy uh, in the last four games he's averaging 24 carries per game he's getting the workload when you combine receptions with his rushing attempts he's getting 28 touches per game in his last four so He's the dude. He's who you're going to roll with. But you still need that other back. And if Brian Robinson is able to go, even in a role similar to what we saw against Mississippi State, that's important because as much as anything else for this offense right now, your next guy in needs to be able to pass protect as much as anything. While seeing Trey Sanders do his thing is great, and it's and again, it speaks more, or it did, and hopefully still will, spoke well for the big picture as much as anything. You know, for what this Alabama offense is looking to accomplish right now, your next guy in has to be able to pass protect. So Brian Robinson's presence is very, very important. So you get beyond Trey Sanders potentially anyway, and you start looking at some true freshmen, right? You start looking at Jace McClellan. You start looking at Roydell Williams. Uh, We haven't seen really Kyle Edwards, the third true freshman this year, probably more of a developmental prospect. That was the thought anyway going into this season of those three newcomers. But McClellan and Roydell Williams, we've seen sparingly mop-up time type duty on offense. But where I tend to sort of make educated guesses at what might be next in a situation like this if it comes down to it I don't look at who's even as much the next guy in on offense I look at who's on the field a lot on special teams and we've seen Jace McClellan on special teams a good bit in fact we saw Jace McClellan get called for a hold on the punt return by Slade Bolden against Mississippi State that went for 30 yards but had to come back didn't look like much But the area of the field in which the penalty occurred kind of left him exposed to a flag there. Um, So McClellan, I would think, probably would be next guy up 
Roydell Williams will certainly be in that mix. Again, if it comes down to that, you know, Alabama has numbers at the position. And more importantly, at the very top of the depth chart, it has experience. Now, you don't need to lose Najee Harris. That, that's been the case all along. You know, you lose Najee Harris, that's when you can kind of hit the, uh, the old panic button if that's kind of what you, you do in those situations. So that's where it sort of sits right now with the running back position at Alabama. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, some winners and losers. Pops. Pops was a big winner over the weekend. Pops came out of Florida, Georgia retirement. Actually went to the game. I talked to him this morning. Uh, he'll give us uh, – I'll give you his thoughts, and we'll get your thoughts as well at 205 342 9904. Back with more of the show right after this. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama Sports, and it's brought to you by Seaspire. Add Seaspire Fiber to your roster at cspire.com slash AL Fiber. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. The Alabama women's soccer team got back in the win column on Friday night with a one nothing shutout victory over 15th-ranked Auburn. The Crimson Tide improved to 2-4-2 on the season, while the Tigers dropped to 3-2-2 in the regular fall season finale. Felicia Knox provided the only offense of the contest in the first half when she laced a shot from Riley Mattingly in the 36th minute to give Alabama a 1-0 advantage, and it was a lead that Alabama would not relinquish. The goal was the second of the rookie forward's career. Goalkeeper McKinley Crone and the Crimson Tide defense suffocated the Tigers' offense and held its opponent scoreless, posting its first shutout of the season. Up next, the Crimson Tide will wait to find out its seed in the SEC tournament in Orange Beach, Alabama. I'll have more in a moment. Here's to the couches, the lawn chairs. That worn-in recliner imprinted by yours truly. These are your front row tickets to a very different college football season. And while you can't be at the game, Seaspire brings the Crimson Tide to you with the fastest internet speeds for home and business. Because slow is only good for replay. So call dibs on that seat next to the seven-layer dip. It's football season at Seaspire. The Alabama men's tennis team closed out the four-in-the-fall tournament Sunday by winning six singles and four doubles matches at home in Tuscaloosa. Over the three days of the tournament, Alabama went 32-10, and 10, including 20 singles and 12 doubles wins. In addition to the Crimson Tide, the tournament featured players from LSU and Vanderbilt in both singles and doubles. And that's your Bama update. Crimson Tide Today brought to you by C Spire. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports. A warm afternoon with a mix of sun and clouds. The high at 80. For tonight, becoming mostly cloudy below 67. Tomorrow and Wednesday, mostly cloudy with a chance of showers both days. Maybe a thunderstorm in spots. Highs between 75 and 78 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied. Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com, with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolates here out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Hey, the AP just dropped its preseason poll for the 2020-2021 men's college basketball season. Looking at the poll, the Alabama Crimson Tide and the others receiving votes section of the poll. Alabama with 50 votes. Nate Oates' second team at the capstone. That essentially equates to, when you look at the breakdown, 26, 27, 28th, 29th actually, is where Alabama 
would uh, rank based on others receiving votes. As far as some Alabama opponents in the top 25, well, you're looking at uh, Houston. How about Houston? Kelvin Sampson. He's got those Houston Cougars as the preseason favorite in the AAC. Houston will be coming to Tuscaloosa in mid-December. You've also got, let's see here, Tennessee from the SEC checks in at 12. Kentucky all the way down at 10 for the Kentucky Wildcats. It's just more 2020 when you look at this preseason top 25 because your top two teams in the poll – Gonzaga and Baylor, not disputing that they don't have quality programs because both those schools do. But again, Gonzaga and Baylor at one and two Villanova looking to rebound back up there at three in the preseason poll. Uh, Iowa at five, Virginia at four, Kansas with that black cloud of the NC2A hovering above Manhattan, Kansas, also a top 10 team. So there you go. Alabama not quite breaking through in the preseason top 25. That's okay. Going to have plenty of opportunities to uh, vault, especially with that Maui Invitational in Asheville. You go into Maui Invitational in Asheville and uh, beat Stanford, maybe beat a Carolina, you know, win a couple of three games there against good competition. You'll You'll bounce pretty soon, I would think. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio. So winners and losers from over the weekend. Man, there's a ton of them. The National Football League, the Pittsburgh Steelers, stay undefeated in knocking off the Dallas Cowboys on the road. Minka Fitzpatrick, once again, coming up big late in a game for that stiller defense. Boy, the Tampa Bay Bucks last night. I'll tell you this much. I never thought I'd say this, Joe Gaither, but if there was an offensive performance that could make the Bears feel better about themselves on that side of the ball, (laughs) it was Tom Brady and the Bucks last night, man. Poor NBC. NBC thought it had just the crown jewel of Sunday, didn't it? Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Sunday night football. And, boy, people were flipping that thing off at about uh, midway through the second quarter. That was awful down in Tampa last night. Big, big winners. Hey, we got to give it up. We were all over Dan Mullen last week, and justifiably so. I think we were reasonable in our criticism, very reasonable. And uh, the Gators get it done there in Jacksonville on Saturday. Very impressive offensive performance. Said it earlier in the year that Florida and Alabama kind of mirror each other as football teams. Now, Florida offensively does it a little bit differently. Florida can line up and run it. Don't don't get me wrong. Uh, they got that trio of backs that can uh, that can get it done. But where they just crushed Kirby's defense Saturday was throwing it to the backs and the tight ends. You know, Kyle Pitts takes that big shot right in the middle of the field and is lost for the remainder of the game there in the second quarter. But uh, they just reload it tight end and keep going. And the backs, and it makes you think about a future matchup potentially that we're looking at now between Florida and Alabama and how how Mullen and that offense kept getting backs matched up on inside linebackers. And it was not a good matchup for the Georgia defense. Uh, I mean, when you talk about Malik Davis, you talk about uh, uh, Damian Pierce, you know, the Florida backs in that game Saturday combined 10 catches for 212 yards. That's running backs. They just kept running that damn wheel route. And when you've got a tight end like Kyle Pitts that dominates the middle of the field and attracts as much attention as you have to give him, then you just work those backs off of him. You just keep running that wheel route. First of all, he clears out the middle. And then your inside linebackers can't get out there on the wheel route. And Trask is extremely accurate. Very, very similar to Mac Jones from that standpoint. I was talking with Pops about it this morning. And, you know, I came up with Danny Werfel. Throws a ball that's as catchable as Werfel used to throw. And I think Mac Jones is very similar from that. I don't think. You know, either of these guys are going to throw it through a brick wall. They throw it plenty. They throw it with plenty enough velocity 
But, man, the accuracy and the touch on a lot of those balls from Kyle Trask. 474 passing yards. I mean, you look at the performances for Mac Jones and Kyle Trask against what we thought was an elite Georgia defense, and they both lit the dogs up. And for big, big chunks, too. You know, Trask and Mac Jones, well over 10 yards per pass attempt and wins over the dogs. So the Florida Gators, very much on that inside track to the 2020 SEC Eastern Division crown. And as I said, you know, Pops, Pops wasn't going to the game. We had Pops on Friday. He wasn't going at that time, or he didn't know he was going. And I talked to him this morning because I was alerted you know, it's kind of like an AP alert when Pops comes out of retirement to go to a Gators game, especially a Florida-Georgia game. You get these alerts, like on your phone or something. But uh, he got a call right after the show, he said, Friday. And uh, the older brother, who turned Friday uh, 55, we told that story again with Pops on Friday. The older oldest brother uh, turned 55 on Friday, and he, uh, he hauled Pops down to the banks of the St. John's River on Searity. And so Pops, from what I was told, and I have to cross-check this information because Pops isn't always honest about his behavior, you know, in certain situations. So I have to cross-check what he gives me. I got to have multiple sources on Pops. And so, but I was told he performed, uh, he performed admirably. He was controlled and his, uh, he was measured. I was told, and he did confirm this <clears throat> himself. He did have a uh, a ceremonial cold beer before he went into uh, TIAA Bank Stadium on Saturday afternoon. He said it was ice cold and he enjoyed it very much. But that was the extent. He didn't have to walk home. You know, he's done that before, as he's told us from those Florida Georgia games. He was uh, he complained to me about the parking. He said the parking was it was good that it was right by the stadium, but it killed him. It killed him that the older brother paid 50 bucks to park because, as Pops has told you many times on the show, he doesn't like to pay to park at these games, and he doesn't even like to pay for tickets. So, uh, you know, that was that was a little tough for him. But uh, Florida Gators, very impressive. And uh, now we move forward in the Eastern Division and talk about a couple of teams that weren't exactly on the winning end on Saturday. How about Jeremy Pruitt? in the Tennessee Vols, how about Will Muschamp in the South Carolina Gamecocks? Can you can you keep going forward with that at this point? I know the buyout is what it is with Will, man, but I just don't think you can keep selling that when you're getting bombed at home. When you have to kick a 48, 49-yard field goal to avoid being shut out in, I think it was, what, 48-3 to three game, something like that? I mean, that's, that's awful. And I know he brought Mike Bobo in. I know he brought Colin Hill in, the quarterback that came with Bobo from Colorado State. But fewer than 200 total yards for South Carolina. And that's a solid Texas A&M defense, but come on. And A&M looking good. A&M right now, we talked about this with Cecil Hurt last week. I brought this up with Cecil on Wednesday of last week. You know, A&M's kind of just flying under the radar here with one loss and just keep winning, keep winning, keep winning, get to December the 19th with one loss. And even if you get boxed out of Atlanta by Alabama, you're going to be sitting there at nine and one in an sec only season and going, Hey, if there's conversation about a fourth team for that CFP or a second team from the sec, we're that team, you know, especially if, Alabama beats Florida. So, uh, you know, that could be very much in play. The only problem with that, and again, we talked about this midweek last week. The only problem, that took a hit, I thought, Saturday night with Notre Dame beating Clemson. Because you got to think with a available Trevor Lawrence and a healthier defense, when these two see each other, in the ACC championship game, it's going to be Clemson that wins that game. So then you're going to be sitting there with Clemson with one loss, Notre Dame with one loss. And if Alabama wins out and Ohio State wins out, there's your 
there's two of your teams for sure. Your ACC champ in that scenario would be in. And then you're looking at if Notre Dame is in that mix for that fourth spot, good luck with that, Texas A&M, right? Could come at a cost to the SEC if it plays out that way. It was a great game Saturday night up in South Bend. Really was. You got to give Ian Book a lot of credit. Uh, As we said, it, it wasn't a hole. The defense for Clemson was not whole for that game. But uh, impressive performance nonetheless. The dude looked like a winner. You know, maintained his composure. You know, sold out when he needed to physically. Made enough throws. It was an impressive performance at home by Notre Dame. And the winner of the week from that Notre Dame team, by the way, for today's program, book was great. Um the kicker for Notre Dame, four field goals. Usually that's what gets you beat against Clemson when you kick four field goals, but it worked out for Notre Dame. My winner of the week, though, for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, Jay Bramblett, the punter for Notre Dame from right here in Tuscaloosa. Hillcrest grad, Jay Bramblett. Do you see that right before the end of the first half? It had all the makings of a kick six. Notre Dame's going to kick the long field goal going into the break. Comes up short. And look, Chris Davis was a nice athlete, nice player for Auburn. But this was Travis ATN back deep for Clemson. And he catches it in the end zone. And here he comes. And it looks like it's going to be 2013 all over again. But I'm guessing Jay Bramblett, being from Tuscaloosa, was thinking the same thing. And he gets over there and makes a really nice tackle on Travis ATN. It's one of those plays you kind of forget as a game moves along and you get into an overtime and, you know, you just – our recency bias is pretty much committed to us just recalling, you know, the last five, six minutes of regulation maybe, the two overtimes. But that was a huge play by Hillcrest grad, Jay Bramblett. Nice weekend for Hillcrest, right? Got the win Friday night over McGill Tulin. That was a big win. And then Saturday night, Jay Bramblett, the alum, with a big tackle for the Irish in that win over Clemson. Going to step aside for a quick break. When we come back, more of a Winners and Losers Monday on Southern Fried Sports, presented by Peter Brook Chocolatier, right here on Tide 100.9 FM, right after this. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. playlist for you today on this Monday. Susan Tedeschi, right there. Tedeschi Trucks, you've heard of them. Derek Trucks, incredible guitarist from my hometown. Susan and Derek call that area home now, down there around Jacksonville, Florida. Outstanding stuff. They were, uh, they've been by the amp a time or two. You see him down at the Tuscaloosa Amp. You've seen Derek since he was probably about 10 years old. Derek used to come through Tuscaloosa and play the strip, I think, when he was like 12. I know he was playing Jacksonville area clubs when he was 12 or 13 years old. So uh, Derek Trucks, Susan Tedeschi, happy birthday to Susan. She turns 50 today. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line, if you'd like to check in with us. Hey, if you were wondering about a kickoff time for Alabama and Kentucky on November the 21st. It's a week from Saturday, of course. 
just announced by the Southeastern Conference Office the complete television schedule for Saturday, November the 21st. So you will have Alabama and Kentucky from Bryant-Denny Stadium. That is set for a 3 o'clock central kick. You like that, don't you, if you're coming for a game? You're coming from out of town. That is the – Love it. That's the gold spot. I know in the media, I, I love that. I love 3 central, man. Not too early. You're not up till 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, writing, talking, whatever it is we do. Joe Gaither, you like that 3 o'clock kickoff, huh? Oh, I love it. Get get in, you know, not too early and get done, not too late. It's perfect. Absolutely. We absolutely love it. You're going to have – I'll tell you, this could be a really interesting game in that 2.30 slot for CBS. Lane and Ole Miss at Jimbo and Texas A&M. You know, with Texas A&M, look good, look stout, look strong, but there's still this part of you that thinks, man, the calendar has shifted to November. It's going to happen any time now that this Texas A&M team is going to turn back into a pumpkin. Didn't happen Saturday night. You got South Carolina fans now. They're on the Hugh Freeze watch, man. South Carolina fans want them some Hugh Freeze in Columbia. I don't blame them. Look at what Hugh's doing up at Liberty. How about that win for the Flames at Virginia Tech on Saturday? Looked like it was a block field goal for a game-winning return for a touchdown for the homestanding Hokies. Alas, play was stopped before the kick. And the Liberty kicker ends up drilling the game winner. And so Hugh Freeze, hot, hot on the SEC market with some of these situations that are unfolding around the league. I've had some people tell me, oh, there's no way. There's no way Sankey, Greg Sankey will not approve of Hugh Freeze coming back into the league. What did what did Hugh Freeze end up with from all that stuff at Ole Miss? A one-year show cause? Is that what Hugh Freeze got hit with? Well, you got a basketball coach in the league across the state who got hit with a three-year show cause. He's back in the league coaching. And look, I'm not here to make a case for or against the severity of the uh, misdeeds of Bruce Pearl at Tennessee, but that's what he got hit with. He got hit with a three-year show cause. And he's been back in the league for a while now. And I'm not trying to make any type of moral or ethical stance or die on a hill for Hugh Freeze's actions at Ole Miss. Don't misconstrue this with that. I'm just saying, when you come at me with, well, I don't know if Greg Sankey. Well, Greg Sankey wasn't big on Hugh Freeze coming to Alabama probably at the time because I don't think Ole Miss had even been handed down its penalties by the NC2A when there were a lot of those rumblings about Maybe Hugh Freeze joining Kappa Saban here, moving into the house over there off Old Row. You know? So it's been a little while, in the words of Stain. It's been a while. So maybe we'll see Hugh Freeze back in the league sooner rather than later. How about Tua yesterday? We talk about winners. The Miami Dolphins and Tua Tonga Vailoa get it done in a rematch of the Orange Bowl. From a couple of years ago, Kyler Murray, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, putting on a show. That was a lot of fun. Now, I was restricted to Red Zone Channel, so you know, I'm yelling at Scott Hansen, let's get it back to Glendale. Scott, you know, come on, Scotty. But, man, we got branded out here. We got branded out with the Steelers and the Cowboys. I mean, you get those two helmets together, it doesn't matter if, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm playing quarterback for the Cowboys. If it's the Cowboys and the Steelers, you're getting it. And even on red zone, you're getting a lot of it. But the game that was worth your time yesterday was Kyler Murray and Tua Tagovailoa out west. And Tua and the Dolphins get it done. You don't see NFL kickers come up short from inside 50 much. You saw it with the Cardinals kicker yesterday late. That was odd. Because when you see a ball centered up on the between the uprights like that one was, you just assume that it's going to hit the net. You know, it's not going to come up short. But uh, it did. Tua, very impressive. Tua answering the questions about that hip, too, with a couple of scrambles. A couple of big-time throws. And uh, 
And there he is, Tua Tagovailoa. Interesting with Tua that you know you're going to continue to compare him. A lot of people are going to continue to compare him with Joe Burrow and you know Justin Herbert. They're in the same class, so of course you will. But the thing I keep reminding people is Tua was in the college game for three years, right? Joe Burrow was in the college game for five. Justin Herbert was at Oregon for four. Now, interestingly enough, because I checked on this, two is actually eight days older than Justin Herbert. But time at the collegiate level, Justin Herbert, more time there. Uh, Burrow, a couple of more years. So Joe Burrow has been great, been better than I even expected. But my anticipation of this class when looking at specifically Burrow and Tua Herbert's been kind of a surprise because he was portrayed in Hard Knocks before the season. If you watch the show on HBO, he was sort of he was profiled in a way in which it made him look like he might be two years away. And this guy's been dynamite, even for a team that can't seem to finish off wins, finish off games. But Burroughs four was always going to be higher than Tua's, simply because he had five years in in college football. And, uh, you know, two was a couple years behind, but he showed you yesterday. Comes down to winning time, he can get the job done. We're going to step aside for a quick break, and we come back. More of a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. A warm afternoon with a mix of sun and clouds, the high at 80. For tonight, becoming mostly cloudy below 67. Tomorrow and Wednesday, mostly cloudy with a chance of showers both days. Maybe a thunderstorm in spots. Highs between 75 and 78 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From 11 a.m. until noon, we've been getting into some winners and losers from the sports weekend. You're going to have a big winner coming up midweek in the form of Nate Oates, Alabama men's basketball coach. Didn't get the love from the AP poll earlier this morning, but you know you're going to have the start of that early signing period on Wednesday. And Nate's got some uh, prized recruits that he will be looking to uh, go ahead and get signed on the dotted line. Of course, J.D. Davison, the five-star in-state point guard, chief among those three, but Jason Holt, 6'6 wing from Roswell, Georgia, four-star in his own right, 6'6. Langston Wilson, we love the JUCOs here. We're very much Team JUCO. JUCO built, as we know here, with Shelton State. Absolutely tremendous uh, college there, athletic department that we uh, absolutely adore down Highway 69. But Langston Wilson from the uh, junior college route. Looks like that could be the only three. Charles Bediaco, the 6'11 post from IMG, has been heavily connected to Alabama, and you've seen some crystal balls on the 24-7 Sports Network uh, that have Charles Bediaco uh, headed to Tuscaloosa at some point during the 2021 uh, cycle. So we'll see how that progresses here in the coming days. But very nice early haul on tap for Nate Oates. You've got Masters odds. You know, we're going to crank the Masters up. 
it's going to be interesting because the golf course is expected to play entirely different as you might expect in November as compared to April. Not going to be as much run out. Be interesting to see, you know, how quick they can get the greens there at Augusta National. But you've got some odds. Bryson DeChambeau, a heavy favorite at eight to one. All of these guys are pretty much long hitters, too, by the way. You know, you're not going to find a Tom Kite among this group. All right. There's not a Corey Pavin among these favorites. Bryson DeChambeau at eight to one. Dustin Johnson played well out in Houston over the weekend. You know, I don't think I would have played in Houston if I was any of these guys because of the COVID. You know, Houston, they galleried up pretty good out there at that event on the PGA Tour. Had some pretty big crowds out there at Houston. DJ played well out there, and so he's a 9-1. to one. Uh, John Rahm, 10-1. to one. Rory, 13-1. to one. Justin Thomas, who will represent the extent of the Alabama contingent, in the 2020 Masters. JT, pretty good value at 14 to 1. Not as long as some of those other guys, but when it comes to the short stick, the putting, and maybe the 100 yards in end game, I would probably like JT at the top of that list. Maybe Rom. Rom can get it going. Those Spaniards, man. Seve. You know, those guys, they can do it with that short game. JT at 14 to 1. Xander Shoffley. He played well in Georgia his last time out, remember? At the Tour Championship, Xander was very good there uh, at Eastlake. So Xander Shoffley at 15-1. to Brooks Kepka coming off back-to-back solid rounds in Houston over the weekend. He is 18-1. to So there are your Masters favorites. We also have an anniversary of note in college football today. 18 years ago today, the Bluegrass Miracle in Lexington, Kentucky. Boy, that was a tough one, wasn't it? Tough one for Big Blue. That just sort of summed up Kentucky football in a lot of ways, that loss with uh, with LSU and Nick Saban uh, striking lightning there on the, the final play of the game. 30-27, to 27, Kentucky led. Kentucky had already dumped ice. It already dumped uh, Gatorade on its head coach, Guy Morris. And um, (laughs) Devery Henderson of LSU, after the deflection, is running into the end zone. And Jefferson Pilot flashes a final score of Kentucky 30, LSU 27. They already had the graphic ready. No one thought LSU at that point could win that game. But Marcus Randall went deep. Years ago, I asked Nick Saban about that game. It was before an Alabama-Kentucky game. I want to say maybe 2009, Alabama was going up there with that team. And, you know, Saban said a lot of things, including that one of the things that hadn't been talked about was his decision to take the wind in the fourth quarter. And, to his credit, if you go back and watch the post-game interview of Nick Saban on JP, and you see the flags atop what was in Commonwealth Stadium, it's now Kroger Field. They sold out. Sold out to the grocery store. You can see the flags. They're blowing hard in that direction that Devery Henderson ended up scoring. I don't think it really made a difference on a ball that was deflected and included a good bit of yards after the catch, but factual nonetheless, he did. And uh, still one that just resonates all these years later. You know, something else that kind of came to mind following that Florida win over Georgia is that with Florida now in position to continue on and advance to Atlanta for the SEC championship game on uh, on December the 19th, the schedule really sets up well for Florida the rest of the way. But because of the COVID-19 situation that the Gators dealt with a couple weeks ago, that LSU game was moved. So what would have been a bye week for the Gators – uh, between the 5th and the 19th, they've got LSU on the 12th. Now, look, everything we've seen tells us it's a very winnable game for it. It's not a question of winning the game, I don't think. Not at this point. Maybe LSU starting this week will show us something. Something more on a consistent basis, anyway. But Florida lost that bye week because of the COVID. 
and uh, now will play December the 12th as a result, or is scheduled anyway, to play LSU on December the 12th. And, you know, there's been some talk about COVID concerns with Notre Dame, following the fans, going out on the field Saturday night. And I'll give Brian Kelly credit. He had a plan for that, didn't he? He said he told his players before the game, when we win, we're getting the heck off the field because he knew the students were coming. He knew they were coming. And so perhaps, you know, that'll maybe mitigate any potential issues that the the Irish, who have already had some issues with the COVID. And look, with these teams coming off these bye weeks, you know, you kind of cross your fingers and hold your breath a little bit. And it's not so much about illness and sickness, although for, for millions of people, that is it. You know, for these guys, it's about availability. You know, Sergio Garcia found that out today. Testing positive for COVID-19. But you're going to hear from uh, Nick Saban here in just a few minutes. So you're going to get the lowdown on Trey Sanders and uh, where this team sits exactly. Coming off the bye week and headed to LSU. Calling Baton Rouge. Coming up this weekend, the Alabama Crimson Tide. That's going to do it for a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Thanks to executive producer emeritus Joe Gaither for stepping in, filling in, producing the program. We always appreciate his help. The lunch whistle on this Monday. How about it? How about some Southern Ale House to take care of that case of the Mondays? You're dealing with the case of the Mondays. I'm going to tell you, Southern Ale House can help you right now. Get by there for lunch. They got those specials on a daily basis. Ask your server. Look behind the bar there. They'll have them on a chalkboard for you. And they'll get you set up on an outstanding lunch, maybe dinner. Something else to consider with Southern Ale House is holiday catering. They have an outstanding holiday catering menu ready to go for you. That's Thanksgiving and Christmas. Now, you got to hit a couple of deadlines to get your orders in. But give their catering team a call at 205-310-3625, and they can take care of those holiday spreads for you as well. Until 11 a.m. on Tuesday. Have a great rest of your Monday, everybody. It's just a matter of- Thank you.